Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Warning. This episode contains foul language, discussions about cancer and cannibalism, and stories that might make you believe in fate. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, spooky, ooky, gooey, yucky, maybe even crunchy, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with a guest or just each other and we talk about something weird. Weird. And this week, just the two of us, we are chatting crazy coinkadinks. That's right, coincidence. Those unexplainable and magical feeling moments in life that make us step back and say, wow, we gee willikers, that was a miracle. Please join us as we give our bodies a ton of goosebumps and share some nutty stories from around the world, throughout history, and even within our very own families. My name is Lauren, and this is my co host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. And also, it was just her birthday, so happy birthday, Ashley! Thank you! I'm still recovering in many ways. Yes! You probably have both a normal physical hangover, but also a love hangover, because everybody... Love hangover, for sure. Everybody was loving on you. Our weirdos really came through. It was great. I know. It was so special. Uh, Joe and I partied, and by partied, I mean we were in the apartment, but like we... <laughs> you still rage. We indulged... For two days, Saturday and Sunday. So my birthday yesterday was spent on the couch, (laughs) honestly recovering. I am exhausted. Yeah, I'm sure. But you deserved it. I'm glad you guys had a nice little party session in the apartment. Yeah, we had a very good weekend. And I have a permanent tooth now. Yes. Especially (laughs) after those teeth episodes, we just need to say praise That is great. Yeah, it feels and looks like real teeth, uh, which is great. But sometimes, strangely enough, when I wake up in the morning, like if I'm asleep and I wake up, I'm like, what's in my mouth? <laughs> what is like, that? It's like my body knows that it's not me. That's bizarre. As I'm awake, it feels no different. It feels like teeth. I run my teeth across and I can't tell that they're different. But when I wake up, it feels like there's something in my mouth. 
That's so, so weird. Interesting. Yeah, that's really weird. Your body just consents. Like, there's a stranger here. <laughs> there's a new member in the mouth. But yeah, that's really exciting. And hopefully I don't have to go back to the dentist again oh, until later please. this year. That fingers crossed, everybody. Well, we are so happy you have a new tooth and just want to give an extra shout out, <laughs> even though I know you've been extra loved on, just to say that our listeners love you. I love you. You absolutely carry the show. Thanks, you guys. always make sure we are taken care of and set up for success. You produce, you edit, you host, you make a super bomb Instagram Photoshop delights. And we just thank you for everything. We are not worthy. A very happy birthday to you. You're the best. I'm 33. I am Jesus Christ's age. Oh, you are the mm-hmm. year of our Lord. And now I can make water <laughs> into wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old Alex is right now, too. Nope, I'm a terrible wife. He's Oops. 34. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. He's been in China. I forget who he is. It's fine. What does he look like? <laughs> what does he look like? I don't remember. Joe <laughs> pulled a real Sally from when Harry met Sally the other day because he was like, I'm almost 40. And I was like, you're not almost 40. You're 35. He was like, it's there. <laughs> it's hanging it's gonna over It's going to happen. And it's like in five years. Yeah. Um, before we get into it today, I do have to say hello and a huge thank you to some new patrons. Yay! Hello and thank you so much to Lance Simon. Lance is a longtime listener and um, a great example of what we call a returning patron. We tell patrons this all the time. Like, we will never, ever, ever get mad or upset or, like, question you if you delete your patronage. Like, seriously, if you sign up for a month or two, listen to all the bonus episodes, get your fill, and then bounce, and then come back a few months later to catch up. That's more than okay. That's actually even encouraged because, honey, honey... 2020 was a fucking yep. year. And we're all trying to save a dollar. Not do everyone has $10 they can throw at their favorite creators every month. No. And we're honestly just thrilled that you give us one $10 bill. So, yeah, exactly. Honestly, come and go as you please. Donate once, donate monthly. It's a really good time, and we're just happy to have you. So, again, hello. Thank you, Lance Simon. Welcome back. Also, huge hello and thank you to Melissa Trahan and Jamie Kidd. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hi. Welcome. Uh, Melissa, if I pronounce your last name incorrectly, you better message me, girl. <laughs> Let her know. Also, I need to get better at not assuming pronouns. I'm working on that. Oh, I know. I apologies to all mm-hmm. <laughs> listeners. I feel like that I that is a big work in progress for me. I'm really trying to learn that and be better. Especially I don't know if it's a Midwest thing, but I'm I'm constantly like, girl, guys, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just a constant part of my language and I don't even think of it as gender. Like, hey guys has right. never ever in my entire life been directed at men because usually I don't no. talk to men. <laughs> yeah just <it's>, kidding <laughs> amen um, <laughs> yeah it's usually just a general term but, but uh yeah. i am trying to get better at it so if if i ever message you back or respond to a comment and i'm like yes girl or like yes sir and i misgender you in any way please know it's not intentional um and if you were like actually i'm a they i would literally not be offended not be taken aback in any way i would literally just be like what's up yep so for sure, for sure. Call me out on we it. Accept I don't the mind. correction. Yeah, please call us out. <sighs> but I, I'm really bad at it. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, today we're talking about coincidences. <laughs> I am so excited. I had 
so much fun researching this. I went balls to the wall. I apologize ahead of time if this episode and next week's episode are long, not that any of you would complain. No. I want to start real quick with the definition of a coincidence. A coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent causal connection. And there are obviously a range of coincidences. Um, it's a coincidence when you run into a friend at two different places twice in a day. It's a coincidence when you think about a song you haven't heard in years and then that song plays on the radio while you're running errands. Mm-hmm. It's a coincidence when you continuously look at the clock at 11.11. These things, while super fun, can be chalked up to the basic math of the universe, and we are going to get to that in part two. But today we are telling you some stories that seem to be beyond basic. Yes. Coincidences that were almost too crazy to be believed. And some of them could even be referred to as miracles. Yeah. And are you going to kick us off? I am. you have a great one. Yeah. I wanted to start uh, by telling the story that sparked my interest in doing this episode in, in general. And this is something I haven't talked about yet on the show. I don't think I'll get emotional. Um, I think I'm too tired. It's but okay if I do, wouldn't be the first time y'all have heard me cry. So it's fine. Yep. So my mom has cancer. And to ease your mind while I tell the story, she's doing great. And she's already been through all of her radiation. She's doing um, immunotherapy in place of chemotherapy, which is much less invasive. And the side effects are a lot easier to deal with. And so far, the treatment has been successful. Yes, Pam. Yes, Pam. We love you. We do. But here is the story of the strange event that is without apparent causal connection that 1,000% saved my mom's life. So I got the call in like December, I think, of 2019. My mom called to let me know that she had a very large tumor in her bone in her arm. And from there, they obviously ran tests, of which one was a PET scan. Uh, PET scans, for anyone uh, who doesn't know, they basically inject you with a dye, and they're able to use radio tracers to measure changes in different body processes and it alerts doctors to cancer and other diseases and unfortunately in her PET scan we found out that she had lung cancer there was a tumor in her lung um she was exhibiting zero symptoms of lung cancer no pain no shortness of breath no coughing no symptoms of any cancer at all like she wasn't fatigued no weight changes no changes in bowel habits like literally nothing and of course now I'll tell you how they uh found this cancer so my mom has been a nurse for a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, forever. She's phenomenal. Um, no, she's not even 60. She's been a nurse for like 37 years. And one day she was taking a patient up a few floors in the elevator. You know how hospitals have those huge elevators so they can wheel patients in their beds into them? Yeah, of course. Take them f- floor to floor. Right. So she was taking this patient up a few floors. And when she was wheeling the bed out of the elevator, the bed got stuck. Like the wheel got stuck on the floor where the floor meets the elevator. And Uh she was sort of trying to maneuver this bed out and it just was not budging. And she pulled so hard, she ended up hurting her like arm shoulder area. Mm -hmm. And she thought she pulled a muscle or something. Um, Well, months later, this arm slash shoulder was still bothering her. And so she was like, son of a gun, I have to go get this checked out, make sure I didn't really hurt myself. And it was um, that visit where she found out that she had a large tumor that had basically eaten away at this bone in her arm. 
And I'm actually going to post a picture of the x-ray. It looks like a bite was taken out of this bone. Like it's That's it was wild. like gone. And again, no pain. She wasn't feeling, she didn't know it was there. She had no pain at all. Yeah. She didn't notice anything until mm-hmm. this day with the bed. Like that was her first thing, right? Yeah. And uh, and even then it was just like, I pulled my muscle, you know, it did, yeah. she didn't think anything of it. So then, like I said, we did the PET scan, found the lung cancer. So the doctors are telling her, you know, you have lung cancer and it's stage four, uh, but it's treatable. And stage four means it's metastasized. So it's spread to other organs. And in this case, the other organs, luckily, was just bone. It was spread mm-hmm. to her bone and it had spread only to that spot in her arm. And the doctor said... The reason it spread to that specific part of your arm is because you actually had an old small fracture and the cancer like latched onto that because your cells will will go to those areas to try and heal. And if you have cells that are cancerous, then they're going to go to that area. And this is the batshit crazy part of the story. Um, The small fracture in her arm she knew exactly where it was from. The fracture was from a St. Louis Cardinals game she attended in 2016 where she was hit with a line drive foul ball. Which is just insane that she happened to get hit with yeah. a ball at a professional baseball game, which then led to the fracture, let the cancer in, which is the only reason she was notified mm-hmm. that something even happened. I just can't. It's absolutely insane. She was at this game. She was, you know, there with my dad having a beer. They were sitting in the second row, uh, or not second row, the second, like, section up from, like, third base dugout, and they were, like, six rows back. So there were plenty of people in front of her, and she saw the ball coming and sort of, like, turned her body away, assuming someone, one of the many people around her would with a mitt would catch it. Right. And it hit her arm, and no, she didn't get the ball because, of course, some asshole grabbed it and was like, yay, my ball, even though it hit my Ugh. mom. Always. Um, it would be cool if she had that ball. I know. <laughs> but yeah, like I said earlier, she was exhibiting zero signs of cancer. And the only reason the cancer was caught before it became very difficult to treat is because she was hit with a line drive at a baseball game three and a half years beforehand. And that patient's bed got stuck in that elevator, which she said to me, like, Ashley, in 35 years, I've never had that happen. It's never been an issue. That is Banana town. I can't. I actually looked up the odds of catching a ball at a baseball game. And there's a lot to take into account, like how many people in attendance and where you are, et cetera, et cetera. But I found something that said, like, if you sit in the lower seats at an average of 17,000 in attendance and remain still, like you're not like moving around to Mm -hmm. try and catch the ball, the odds are about like one in 566. And my mom was at Bush Stadium, which the capacity is like 45,000. And she was in the middle level. She wasn't even in the lower level. And she didn't move or stretch. So I can't do math. But basically, the odds are even greater than that, that she got hit by this ball. Way greater. That's all of it is absolutely insane. And I am so sad that your mom has cancer, of course. I feel like I keep saying this story is amazing. (laughs) And it is because it's. It's fascinating and it feels so miraculous, but, you know, it's also so horrible that she has cancer. But I just, all of those events working together to lead to this is just, I can't really wrap my head around it. Yeah, I found it uh, to be very difficult to accept that this event was like purely coincidental. And it really kind of messed with my mind for a while about when it comes to like time, because if someone 
or something was intervening in some like metaphysical way, it would be alerting her to a condition before the condition existed. Yeah. So it's hard to wrap your head around that. And I struggle with it too, because like if something had the power to make that happen to save my mom's life in that way, wouldn't it have the power to just stop the cancer from happening in the first place? Sure. Yeah. Those are the things that we just do not understand about our world and our universe. That's why, I mean, I know we'll talk about this a lot in part two as well, but that's why coincidences are nuts. Where it's like, okay, the universe pulled this off, but why then is somebody sick? Yeah. But then you also, you know, think about, depending on what you believe, you know, the lessons we're supposed to learn in our lifetime, like maybe my mom was supposed to go through this hardship to make her a stronger person or to totally, you know, enforce the value of life to her. Like I just talked to her on my birthday yesterday and I was like, you know, you're turning 60 this year. How does that make you feel? Because I remember growing up and I remember her turning 50 and being like, oh, 50, I'm old. No. And uh-huh. yeah, so I was like 60, huh? And she was like, I'll never take advantage of another birthday again. Like 60 Aww. sounds great. Yeah. So, you I know. Mean, yeah, I feel like it as much as it sucks and is absolutely a hardship, it it can teach you lessons and it can make for you sure. be grateful for little things that you didn't think of before. And I mean, yeah, while we're on the topic of cancer, it seems to be the theme of this season by accident because yeah, we talked about my friend Ryan a lot, but my dad, who we mentioned a lot on this show, Jeff, also has cancer. But again, zero worries. He actually just finished his radiation treatment and yeah. is cancer-free for the second time. He was cancer-free once before. It sadly came back, but they really are feeling good about this time. So he's hopefully cancer-free. But he is the exact same way. Every time I talk to him now, like – Oh, it's another birthday, you're getting older. Oh, I bet you're annoyed by this, you know, when little inconveniences happen. He's like, oh my gosh, no, I'm alive, I'm well, I'm happy to be doing this and this. Mm-hmm. Like, he he has a new positivity that I've never seen before, so that's really exciting. And it sucks that he had to go through what he went through, but I'm excited to see this kind of new optimism come through. It's very cool. Yeah, and you also have a story for today as well. Yes, I have a super quick again cancer story to throw in that just kind of matches up with Ashley's mom's. It's not quite as nutty, but <laughs> uh our past guest Rachel Wild, if you guys remember, she was on our California Hometown Haunts episode. We love her so much. Um she sent in that at the start of COVID, her general manager at her store in Burbank had to get an emergency appendectomy because of a case of appendicitis. And while they were removing the appendix, they also found that there was a huge cancerous tumor. It was totally undiagnosed. Who knows how long it was chilling there? Like, no symptoms, no nothing. So they were just going in to remove the appendix for, you know, very normal appendicitis symptoms. Still nothing that, like, would raise the flag of cancer. But they said, uh... So we got all the cancer out and also checked the rest of your bod, your bones, your lymph nodes, all the things, and no cancer anywhere. So she woke up from her sleep after surgery and was basically like, hey, so you had cancer, but now you don't. But now you don't. It was just sort of delivered both these huge pieces of news. So it was like, hey, here's the bad news, but immediately here's the most wonderful news in the world. So she learned she had cancer and was cancer-free within five minutes and... Yeah, thank God, I guess, for appendicitis. 
yeah let you know i mean the cancer wasn't the cause of the appendicitis Mm -hmm. wow yeah that's just it was totally separate it's just luck or coincidence or there's some design to the universe that we don't understand i know there's a blueprint (laughs) we don't know (laughs) we'll get into that in part two we shall Well, uh, fuck cancer again yes, for the millionth always. time, and I'm I'm glad her general manager is okay. I'm glad Ryan's family yes. is doing okay right now as well, and um, yeah, very very happy sure. that we caught it when we did with my mom because I couldn't do anything without her. <laughs> yep, so. yep, yep, yep. I still remember when you received the news and just like your it whole world rough. fell apart. So. Yes, but and I. She's yeah. doing very well. The I only thing you. that sucks is that throughout her entire cancer process, I haven't been able to see her. It's been COVID the whole time. Yeah, we had plane tickets, my sister and I, to come home at the same time. Which my mom, you know, besides like my sister's wedding, like I don't know the last time we all got to be together at the same time, and uh, that got canceled obviously because it was last May, and and it's right. just sort of like we're just waiting. My parents are vaccinated. I'm waiting to get vaccinated. I'm really, really hoping this fall or Christmas. I just want to see my mom. Yes, you need to go hug your mama. You need it. You need it. Need it. Anyways, guys, the world, the world is coming back. We're gonna it get is. There. Yeah, Lauren and I were just talking yesterday about how how good we were feeling and how positive we were feeling about everything. So yeah, and also just saying it again we love you pam yeah we do we're so happy you're still with us and strong and fighting and you're the best uh what's your first story of the day okay let's jump into some more stories um my next story is from a woman named julie beck she is a journalist whose story i came across because she writes a lot about coincidence and the science behind it that will come into play next week. I feel like we are getting real so tease. much foreshadowing the next <laughs> week. Um, but yeah, I have I have uh, some more touch-ins with her next week because she has talked to a lot of different scientists and has fun takes on it. But she also has a fun story of her own, which is the whole reason that she got into coincidence research. So Julie writes... Towards the end of seventh grade, my middle school band took a trip to Cedar Point, Cedar Point. which we are very familiar with. Um, it was pretty much the theme park in the Midwestern middle school field trips and just also Midwest life in general, Ashley and I can attest to. So um, they were going on this trip. She says they had this indoor roller coaster called the Disaster Transport. My friends and I were standing in line for this roller coaster, winding up to the dimly lit cement steps when we turned a corner and came across a huge pile of money. We picked it up and counted it. It was a very specific amount of money. I don't remember now exactly how much, but for the purpose of this retelling, let's just say it was 134. That sounds close. We had barely had time to whiplash from marveling at our good fortune to guiltily suggesting we should find somewhere to turn it in before a group of older kids ahead of us snatched the cash wad out of our hands. They claimed it was theirs. It was not theirs. They counted it in front of us and exchanged woes and high fives. And we were hapless, gangly middle schoolers. I was growing up my bangs. It was a rough year. (laughs) And they were confident that we would do nothing to stop them. And they were right. So that was the end of that. Until part two. A little more than a year later, I went to a summer program at Michigan State University, a nerd camp where you take classes like genetics for fun. And one evening, as we were sitting around in the common area, chatting and doing homework, I overheard a kid telling his friends how he'd lost a bunch of money last year at Cedar Point. 
With very little attempt at chill, I interrupted their conversation and grilled him on the particulars. Was he there on May whatever date that I was also there? Yes, yes he was. Did he lose the money while in line for disaster transport? In fact, he did. How much money did he lose? $134 exactly. Wow. I... Again, we're going to talk about kind of like this whole situation next week because there's like, I feel like this coincidence kind of has a lot of layers, but that is crazy town. Yeah. That she happened to run into the person who lost the money a year later out of like this huge theme park. I can't, I can't. But also just like, you know, what are the odds that you were the one that found the money? What are the odds that you even overhear that conversation like if you had gone to the bathroom at the time you would have missed the conversation altogether like the the amount of things that had to go perfectly perfectly right right yeah and for that guy to even bring it up and for you yeah to be within earshot of that Mm -hmm. it's just so it's so many things to consider that just make you say like how on this what are the odds yeah (laughs) yeah what are the odds that's the question i mean there's even things you know like um the amount of things that had to conspire together for me to meet my future husband for me to meet joe yeah like we met at a going away party for one of my hosts at a bar that I worked at who was visiting from uh, the UK. She was here on like a limited visa and her visa was up. So she was like getting the boot. She was getting kicked out of the country and we met at this going away party and neither of us, both of us almost didn't go. Mm -hmm. Like both of us both almost stayed home. Almost stayed home. Um, I almost didn't go. I ended up just getting, you know, mad at my boyfriend at the time and like left and he almost didn't go. I think he was having the same problem. He almost didn't go. And of course, we didn't start dating for a while, but like we wouldn't have met if we hadn't both gone to this party. We ran in completely different circles. And like just thinking about not only that night, but also thinking about like I had I hired this girl. I was like the person that hired her. So if I hadn't hired her. You know, if she hadn't been here on a V, like, there's just so many things. It's like, holy shit, like, how many things had to go exactly the way they had, they went for, you know, Wilder to be born? It's just, if you think about it too long, you will go insane. Yeah, you'll go absolutely nuts. Yeah, (laughs) it's so, so true. So my first uh, couple coincidences, historical coincidences, this first one um, has some people convinced that Edgar Allan Poe had a time machine (laughs) Mm. or was psychic is probably more likely, but it's a book he wrote called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. And in this novel, Poe wrote about four sailors who survived the sinking of their ship, but they were forced to eat a member of the crew to survive. Which is horrifying, but also, like, the more I read about that, like, sea cannibalism, apparently, it was a very, 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 like, popular thing. Like, if you were a seaman in those days, it was just sort of like, this could happen, and it's, you know, like, it's just, like, a hazard. (laughs) It's like a hazard of the trade. Which is oh my gosh! Horrible. This is just the only way to survive at some. Point, yeah, I mean right? they didn't like, have telecommunications, so if your ship went down, right. like the only chance that you have is someone like running into you, which is like it's the ocean. 
Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh goodness. Well, I hate it, but it makes it's sense. the worst. So in this novel, they ate a cabin boy named Richard Parker. Very specific. 46 years later, uh, a boat in real life sank. It was a yacht owned by a rich Australian man named Jack Want. And Want hired a man named Tom Dudley, who was an experienced seaman, to sail from Southampton, England to Sydney, Australia. I don't know why he agreed to do this, because yachts are inland boats and not meant for long journeys like this. So I don't know how experienced this seaman um, was or could have been, but they did. Right. And um, the boat sank. The survivors included Jack Want, Tom Dudley, Edwin Stevens, and Edmund Brooks. And one crew member did not survive. It was a 17-year-old boy who had lied and said he was 18 to get on the crew named Richard Parker. Shut up. And the survivors admitted to killing and eating him after they determined he would not survive. Because he drank seawater and became delirious. My personal theory is he was actually the weakest and smallest and easiest to overcome and to deal with the certainly horrific idea of eating a person. They justified it by saying he wouldn't survive anyway. 100%. So, shipwreck. So that name is 40 something years sure. later. Um, and oh, they ate man. a crew member named Richard Parker. On top of this absolutely unbelievable coincidence, the men also caught and ate a turtle, and Poe's survivors also did that in the novel. So, What? How was it identical? Man. Another book that seemingly predicted the future, and this is a little bit less like specific and wow, wow, wow crazy, but the novel was called Futility, The Wreck of the Titan by Morgan Robertson. It was written in 1898. Now, 14 years later, the Titanic sank. Mm -hmm. The ship in the book was called the Titan. It was also described as unsinkable. It also had insufficient lifeboats. And both ships collided with icebergs in the North Atlantic. It's just wrong a lot of how right it is a lot of things lining up there and speaking of the titanic i love this story i love this woman i think her life is just insane her name is violet jessup and she's we love her we do we she's either the luckiest or unluckiest woman of the 20th century i haven't decided (laughs) which one she is i don't know which side i'm on Lord, her story is crazy. <laughs> she was a stewardess and a nurse who is now known as Miss Unsinkable, and I will tell you why. Violet Jessup was born in 1887 in Argentina to Irish immigrant parents. Six of her eight siblings died in early childhood um, because Ooh. that's just how life was back then. And Jessup herself oh. suffered from tuberculosis. Um, and the doctors said like she had months to live. There was no way she was going to survive, but... She defied the odds, and she did. She survived, and she was very healthy. When Jessup was 21, her mother became ill and unable to work, so she set out to be a stewardess on ocean liners. And at the time, most female stewardesses were also trained nurses. In 1910, she got a job on the RMS Olympic, which was owned by the White Star Line Company. It was the biggest luxury ship ever, a record it held until the Titanic two years later. And on September 20th, 1911, the Olympic was involved in an accident when it collided with a British warship, the HMS Hawk. Both vessels were damaged, but luckily there were little injuries and no fatalities in that shipwreck. For such a large ship, that's pretty cool. 
that's yeah it's pretty incredible but that meant the olympic was out of commission so jessup was assigned to another ship in the company's fleet in 1912 the rms titanic which we all know what happened there (laughs) of the 2224 people on board over 1500 died jessup was one of the survivors Of course she was. Another kind of like interesting thing. One of the ships that actually came to the aid of the Titanic was the Olympic, the original ship that she was on. But um, this is kind of crazy. When it offered to take on rescued passengers, the offer was declined because they felt the survivors would have like panic attacks if they had to board a literal mirror image of the ship they just sank on. Yeah. Makes sense. Which I totally get. But at the same time, I mean, obviously... The people that survived that would have been rescued got rescued. So yeah. it's fine. But yes. it was just like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that, that it would be like, I'm not getting yeah. off. I'm no. Put me yeah, on a plane. Traumatizing. Yes. After these experiences, you'd think that that would be enough C for anyone for several mm-hmm. lifetimes, but not Violet Jessup. During World War I, she was employed as a Red Cross stewardess on the HMHS Britannic. And the ship was also owned by the White Star Line and was part of the same fleet as the Titanic and the Olympic. But the Britannic was deemed to be safer than both of those ships. Um, It was actually, like, designed after the Titanic shipwreck to, like, have none of the flaws that the Titanic had. And it was a hospital ship during the war to transport injured soldiers home to the United Kingdom. And on November 21st, 1916, while in the Aegean Sea, the Britannic hit a German mine and began to sink. Jessup actually um, was injured in this one. She leapt into the water but was sucked under the ship's keel and struck her head. Yeah. Nightmare. She fractured her skull, but she didn't know that until years, years of headaches later when she finally saw a specialist. She was like, why do I get headaches? And they're like, well, hey, remember that horrible shipwreck you were in, the third one? Uh, you fractured your skull. So <laughs> One of multiple shipwrecks you were in? <laughs> she was once again saved, pulled into a lifeboat, and for the third time in five years, survived a major, major shipwreck. Insane. 30 passengers on the Britannic died. She continued to work on large ships until she retired at the age of 63, which is just, Ooh. Wow. She she died at 84, and she may be the only person in history to survive three shipwrecks of that magnitude. She has to be. Like, to be on, yeah, all of those very Mm well-known, big, crazy ships with, like, not good shipwrecks, not nothing minor about them. That's, I cannot believe that she lived to tell that tale. That's... She lived to tell that tale, and then she lived to tell that tale, and then she lived to tell that tale. And she lived to tell that tale. (laughs) But again, was she the luckiest woman alive, or was she a bad omen? I know. I'm sort of like, Don't let her on board. I've heard about you, ma'am. Yeah, I feel like I did know that story, but even you telling it again, I feel like it just, it still blows my mind every time, and makes me feel crazy but i used to think of her as extremely lucky that i always kind of had more of an optimistic view of like wow you really made it girl good for you but i don't know i know now it's when like i'm giving it tonight, her the side I'm like, eye mm. <laughs> yeah i'm like were you the reason for these <laughs> like, but also was this all you? maybe we should be looking at the white star line because i sure didn't like seeing their name pop up all three fucking times like maybe they're um, the shady right ones. 
Especially, like, can you guys get your shit together? That conspiracy theory that the Titanic wasn't the Titanic, that the Titanic was actually, mm-hmm. we'll do that on another episode because that's such a fascinating conspiracy theory. And I actually, it like, is. that's one that I'm like, oh my God, I think I believe this one. Right. I'm kind of wearing the tinfoil hat for that one. Totally. For sure. We'll do that on our next conspiracies episode. <sighs> yes. Oh my. That's such a good one. That's crazy. Violet Jessup. What a name. Jessup. Is that the conclusion of your C yes, section? Yes, my, my C section. <laughs> I loved all the ocean stories. So lovely. You did? That's weird. I know. Well, it didn't it's involve rare. necessarily Monsters. any creatures eating someone, so I felt all right. Well, it involved humans eating another person, but, you know, for some reason I'm okay with that. I have issues. It's fine. Hey guys, this is Ben. And I'm Karen. All you do is read about crime. If you have serial killer posters in your bedroom. If you're hiding newspaper article clippings under your bed. Looking at you, Karen. Don't be concerned. We share your compulsion. Join us, Ben and Karen, husband and wife team, as we delve deeper into the mind of serial killers. Dive into the darker side of humanity, but from the safety of your own couch. You can find our website crimeandcompulsion.com find us on facebook crime and compulsion find us on instagram crime and compulsion podcast find us on twitter at crime compulsion find our episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast streaming from all right i have a story submitted from listener chelsea we have a couple we have a couple of Chelsea listeners, we I've do. realized over time, yeah. but um, I'm just using her first name. So Chelsea, you know who you are and everybody else just sit back and enjoy. Chelsea writes, a few years ago, my hubs and I drove this cheap POS late 90s Ford Taurus and oh my God, that thing sucked so hard. We could afford it, but only essential repairs, and unfortunately, the broken heater never made the cut for essential, and boy oh boy, did that make driving in western Washington winters miserable. Icy outside, cold inside, fogged up windows, and windshield, we had to keep paper towels just for the windshield, and we were miserable. Because of our rolling refrigerator situation, the hubs and I had to skip the late night drives we liked to take when winter rolled around. We missed rambling around, talking, listening to music, and finally budgeted the cash to fix the damn heater in our shitty little car just before Christmas back in 2014. So it was after Christmas, the night before New Year's Eve, when we decided that we had a night off of work together and we thought, oh my god, we can take our drives again. Let's go drive around out in the spooky boonies in the back roads at like 10 p.m. So we went heading out towards the more rural foothills and nowhere in particular. As we were rambling around, jamming out to music and talking, we made our way out towards a smaller town nearby called Granite Falls, where you can find one end of this road called the Mountain Loop Highway. It's a 52-mile-long scenic drive into the mountains, winding its way up and around along a river, dotted here and there with hiking and camping. Once you get quite a ways outside of Granite, the pavement turns to gravel. Two lanes shrink down to one without even a shoulder in most places due to the steep mountainside and river below and potholes that you could lose a small child in. It's creepy as hell at night, but we're into it because, you know, weirdos. Mm -hmm. So we decide to go down the loop for a while and just turn back whenever the mood takes us. 
Um, somewhere there are still two lanes and pavement because we're weirdos, but not dumbasses. But neither of us says anything about, hey, let's turn around or I'm ready to head back home for our cocoa now. We both considered it independently, but neither of us wants to cut the drive short and go home just yet. So we continue on. As we drive along this empty, completely unlit road, we joke here and there about stuff that would be real creepy or scary to see out here alone in the middle of nowhere. Like, hey, lol, I would lose my shit if we saw a cougar or bear or a Bigfoot, or wouldn't it be wild if we were driving along and saw the flashlight of a single person walking down the road in the deep woods in cold-ass December? Ha ha, yay, axe murderers! So, as we continue driving along, we're starting to get near the end of the paved road when we see what looks like a little flashlight or two around the curve ahead of us. People. There are people out here in the middle of nowhere at 11 o'clock at night, the night before New Year's Eve. What kind of serial killer bullshit is this? The people are pretty close since we came around once one of the many twists in the road to see them. They start waving at us kind of frantically, so we slow down and stop. It's four young folks, very early 20s, late teens, barely younger than us by a couple years, soaking wet from the knees down, walking in the middle of the road. So we roll the window down, ask if they're okay. Physically, they are. Nobody is hurt, but they had lost control of their car and spun out at the start of the gravel up ahead. They went over the steep left side, sharply down onto the rocks and partially into the river. They're shaken up, scared, and they're stranded in the National Forest in the middle of the night, miles from anything in December. No one is coming to help them, and there is nowhere for them to go except back down miles and miles of isolated mountain road in the dark, in wet clothes on foot. No cell service, no way to pick up. There was really no answer that didn't end in the river. So, the good news is me and my hubs are out here, out on our first night drive in months, who had been joking about how wild it would be to see a person out there, and had been thinking about turning around separately for a long time. But for some reason, we did not say anything about it, and we are these nice people who are willing to help and not take advantage of these vulnerable kids or do something shitty or awful. So, of course, we decide to give them a ride back into town. We cram all four of them back into our car. We mutually joke about how it's good that neither of us are scary ex-murderers. <laughs> and we find out that they were all the way out there to have a little bonfire with a couple underage drinks to cheer up one of them after a bad breakup. So the hubs and I drove them back into town and to sell service to call for some help. The whole way in, we didn't see a single other car or person until Mm. we hit town. There would have been no one for them, and it would have been a long, miserable, scary walk for them to find any help. So once they got past the adrenaline panic chatter, they were able to relax, and we talked about D&D on the drive. And the kids wouldn't accept a ride all the way home, but we brought them to a 24-hour Safeway in a bigger town because it was safe, well-lit, and a public space where we wouldn't worry about their safety, waiting for a friend or parent to come get them. And that is the story of how my hubs and I saved some kids who had driven off of a small cliff into a river in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night. Something told us to keep driving and not turn around, even though we had many chances to do so. My God. Imagine what a crazy coincidence it is to those kids. I know. To think like (laughs) they were sitting there thinking like, we could have died. Yeah, we're about to die. No one is coming to help us. We're going to freeze as we attempt to walk to help. Like, they oh they were probably honestly starting to think about, like, the only eating horrible options they had them. left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or eating. Was anyone Richard named Parker Richard Parker? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to ask Chelsea. <laughs> 
But oh my yeah, god, that's what, amazing. What a time. That's a really good one. Yeah, I can't. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for writing that in. That's such a good story. And it's it very... Is. Trust your instincts, guys. Yes. Trust, trust your them. gut. Like, I... And you can tell that they both totally did. And I love that because I think some people do ignore their gut at times. And that's a total like another thing we'll talk about next week of like, you know, listening to yourself and making choices and taking certain paths in your life that you can't really explain. But they both listened to their gut. Something told them it's not time to turn around yet. Keep going. I know the road is getting scary, but it's not your time to turn around. And they they obeyed. And it was for good reason. Yeah. Wow. I just love it. I just love it. (laughs) I have another strange historical coincidence. This one's a lot shorter, uh, but it revolves around the Hoover Dam. Ooh, okay. 112 deaths were associated with the Hoover Dam, but uh, despite what urban legends say, none of the bodies are stuck in the cement. That is an urban legend. (laughs) That's a lie. That the Hoover Dam uh, is filled with all kinds of bodies, Um, but it's just not possible, guys. One, all of the men were supervised at all time and would have removed a body if it had fallen dead or alive into the concrete, but also... Uh Living matter is comprised of degradable organic material, which would cause a huge issue for a block of concrete. A decaying body would eventually form an air pocket within the concrete, which would decrease the stability of the block over time. And since the dam is still going strong today, we can conclude that there are not a ton of bodies (laughs) in the concrete of the Hoover Dam. I appreciate your clarification on that, because that has been a rumor forever. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, there was an unusually high number of fatalities while building it, regardless of the size of the project. Um, Like building big projects like that, especially in that time, a lot of people died. But there were a lot of people that died um, building the Hoover Dam. And this is the crazy part. The first man to die was a surveyor uh, named George Tierney, who drowned in the Colorado River on December 20th, 1922, while he was mapping out the ideal placement of the dam. He's the first one to die. And the last man to die was his son. What? Patrick Tierney, who also died on December 20th, but of 1935, 13 years later. That's not real. That's a fake story. They died on the same day, 13 years apart, father and son, first and last man to die building the Hoover Dam. Guys, we live in a simulation. Nothing is real. What I don't understand. Even is it? I don't know how that can be real life. And speaking of first and last, this was not planned in any way, shape, or form. It just happened as a coincidence. The first and last British soldier killed in the First World War are buried in Belgium's St. Symphorium Cemetery. Their headstones are only about 18 feet apart and facing each other. That's that's just... They're basically just, buried together. And I can't. That I don't was have not words. done on purpose. So, and how was that not done on purpose? Right, that sounds so intentional. Oh my gosh, the world is crazy. The world is a vampire. <laughs> that's that's wild and woolly. <laughs> <laughs> it was like choking. It sounded like a rock and roll, like a noise from a rock and roll song, and not a cough. But anyway, <laughs> let's go. Yep, let's pretend that's what it was actually. <laughs> 
That is wild. I have a pretty famous story. Some of you may have heard it. It's like semi well known, but it blows my mind. Um, we're going to tell the story of the Laura Buxton gals. Oh, yeah. I love this. So back in June 2001, a girl named Laura Buxton was attending her grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary celebration in Staffordshire, England. And with some prodding by her grandfather, she decided to have a bit of fun with one of the helium balloons. And she wrote out a message putting instructions on the balloon saying, please return to Laura Buxton along with her address, which you should not give out your address on a balloon, but probably not for this story. You know, we're going along with it. She attached it to a gold colored Mylar balloon and set it loose to float off into the sky on a windy day. Then a farmer in Milton Lilbourne, Wiltshire, about a hundred forty miles away from Staffordshire, found the balloon in a hedge on his property. He was about to discard the deflated balloon in the rubbish when he spotted the name Laura Buxton on the attached note, and knowing his neighbors had a daughter by that name, he delivered the balloon to their home. The neighbor's daughter wasn't the same Laura Buxton who had sent the balloon on its way to on its way from Staffordshire. She was a different girl who coincidentally had the same given name and surname as the originator of the message. So Laura Buxton number two in Milton Lilbourne wrote to Laura Buxton number one to inform her that her balloon had been found and to report this unusual coincidence that it had ended up in the hands of someone with the same name. So the two girls finally got in touch by telephone and the coincidence was amusing and harmless enough that the girl's parents arranged for them to meet face to face and thought, why not? This is cool. And then they discovered they had even more in common than just their names. They were the exact same height, kind of the same build, same eye color, both fair-haired. They, at their first meeting, both wore jeans with pink jumpers. They both had gray rabbits, guinea pigs, and three-year-old black Labradors as pets. And both girls brought their guinea pigs to the meeting. They both happened to just bring their guinea pig just because. And... Outside of the similarity in the girls' names, which you could look at it and say it wasn't that terribly unusual of a name, right. it was it wouldn't be that crazy. You would say maybe it's not all that remarkable, but it's not like be, John Smith. Still, yeah, it's not that common. It's still pretty crazy that the balloon landed that close to another Laura Buxton that they happened to, you know, even live that close in the same region that the balloon could reach there, that they looked so much alike. The pets all of it. But the cutest part of all of this is that they struck up a friendship from this meeting and have kept it up for years. Um, they, I don't know today, I couldn't find anything for like 2020, 2021, but the last report, which was in 2011, was that the girls were still very good friends and were still meeting up pretty consistently throughout the year, even though they were going to different schools. And I just want to believe in my heart of hearts that they are still besties because of this wonderful coinky dink that brought them together. Wouldn't it suck if you met the other one and one of them sucked? And you're like, yeah. ugh. Ugh, you don't live up to the Laura Buxton name. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> yeah, that would be really unfortunate. So how far I'm did the balloon travel? 140 miles. Woo! Yeah, I know, which wild. also feels weird and wrong and crazy. And 
Um, I was telling you earlier, we chatted briefly because you're like, I've sort of heard of that story. I did have to go and like do some research on what the real story was. Mm-hmm. What I just told you is completely real, which it's all it's all crazy, but completely amazing. The original story, though, if some of you are out there listening, thinking like, wait, I heard it like this. So many websites reported that the balloon actually landed in the other Laura Buxton's backyard. Yeah, and that which, she found it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that obviously that would have been even more incredible, but the fact that it even landed in her neighborhood. Yeah, yard I was gonna say <laughs> something crazy. We also so, don't know. It yeah. could have blown into her yard eventually, but the neighbor found totally. it early. Yeah, exactly. It's still but, wild. Yeah. It's a wild tale, for sure. Um, do you have any more stories on no, your I'm end? Done. Or do I just have my yeah, other ones? Yeah, you just okay. have your other little l- 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 listener stories. I have, yeah, I have a couple just like really short and sweet ones that some listeners sent in that were still just really fun. Um, And first, one of them is he's both a listener, but also my bandmate in Dr. Spaceman, the drummer, Carl, sweet Carl, Carl. who is from England. So we're staying in that region from the Laura Buxton story. We're just, we're hanging out. Um, Carl wrote into me on Instagram when I asked for some coincidence stories and said, when I first met Jill, his now wife, after visiting her for the first summer, I got on the flight home and there was no one sat next to me. Just as the plane is taxiing down the runway, the stewardess quickly ushers a guy to sit next to me, apologizing to him profusely that he had to be moved from first class to his seat to this new seat as his first class seat was broken and he wasn't able to sit there anymore. So we get to chatting, and he was from the north of England, which is very close to where I was from. And I asked him what he did, and he said that he organizes visas for performers. Carl is a musician who was looking for a visa to live in the U.S. (laughs) So ding, 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 he says, I won the jackpot. He ended up helping me get all of my visas arranged to live in the U.S. and work as a drummer. And he also got their visas arranged so that he could marry Jill properly and, like, kind of help with the paperwork with that. And he also attended their wedding, which is super adorable. But I thought that was really cute that he, it was exactly what he was looking for. Because his seat was broken. Which also, like, poor guy, you buy a first class ticket and they're like, sorry to coach you go. Here you go. You can have a food voucher that won't work anywhere. Right. But then he got to change somebody's life, and yeah. then I obviously reaped the benefits as well, because then I got to meet this amazing man who, like, truly is one of the most talented drummers on the planet, and I can't believe that our, like, little cover band that is going nowhere gets the talents of Carl as our drummer. So we are happy he got that visa and got to stay in the U.S. So, yay. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And then last one from listener Dory, which I love that name. Oh my gosh, hi Dory. Cutest. She wrote to us on Facebook and says, when I was born, the address on the house my family was living in ended up being the exact same date as my birthday, the month, the day, the year Mm -hmm. exactly. Then I grew up, had a baby, and the address on my house was the exact same as my child. And that's literally the whole story. That's how short and sweet it is. But also like, hello, what? How? That's incredible. Her address is her, yeah, is her baby's birthday and her house growing up was hers. There was another, uh, I'm not going to try and tell it. Because I, (laughs) well, I don't know the specifics. It had something to do with, um, 
uh, the First World War, and there was like this guy's car who. See, this is bad. Some guy's car, okay, well, First World War. You know, you gave it your best his shot. His license plate was the date that the war ended. Like, that was it. But it, I, that's, you know what? I quit. <laughs> I'm not cut out. <laughs> I'm not cut out to be a podcaster. I, I quit enjoyed my job. your retelling of it, and I appreciate you giving it the old college try. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's a great story. I did my best. Oh, I could no, easily open a tab, crazy. but it's fine. Everyone gets the gist. <laughs> you got, you guys it was a get wild it. Story, <laughs> yeah. End of the war, license plate number, same. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a thing. <laughs> thank you, Carl and Dory. Those stories were awesome. I know, short and sweet, but lovely. Yeah, they're great. That is all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. Next week, we're going to be having an in-depth discussion about coincidences like the ones you heard on today's episode and basically try to get to the bottom of if they are special in any way or just the random chaotic chance of the universe. So tune in for that. And obviously, send us any stories you may have relating to this. I know um, after our tooth episode, we got so many more stories about your crazy teeth and... We oh God, yes. love them and maybe we'll start sharing them like on our Instagram stories or save them for a Helter Skelter episode or something. But regardless, we love hearing Ooh. from you guys. So write us anytime you like. If you want to support the show in more ways than just listening, there are several ways to do that. You can follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast on all platforms. You can join our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast and donate $1, 5 or $10 to the show once or monthly. And you'll get perks like two bonus episodes a month and a newsletter. Um, and you can rate our show five stars on iTunes and say some nice Please. things about us. Um, Please. Or you can even head over to our Etsy store at etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast and buy yourself a t-shirt or hoodie to wear out. And when people go, what's that on your shirt? You can say it's the best podcast you've never heard. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, today's sign off is... Is... Skinamarinkawinkydink. Skinamarinkydoo. I... Nope. I have nothing. Love... Uh coincidences I love coincidences <laughs> we live in a simulation we live in the <laughs> um, and keep it and weird and keep it weird So a few years ago, my hubs and I drove this cheap peach cheap. Boop, 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 bo